Welcome to Let's Open the Bible, where our goal is to open the Bible and look at what it says. For the next few minutes, we will be looking at a passage from one book. We will continue weekly until we finish that book. I'm Tom Nordstrom, and with me is Bill, Casey, and Nate. Welcome to episode number nine of Let's Open the Bible. Today uh, with me is Bill and Tom, uh, and this is Nate talking. Uh, And our text today is James chapter 4, verse 13, through chapter 5, verse number 10. Uh, Bill, why don't you go ahead and read that for us? Okay. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow... We will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which have been withheld by you cries out against you, and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Okay. In verses 13 to 17, which is the end of chapter 4, God needs to be at the center of our plans. We see here in James people who are saying, in a proud manner, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make money, I'm going to be rich. And they have their plans, and they leave God out of it. And James is telling us not to do that. We need to consider God's will first, and let God work his will in our lives. And when we don't do that, uh, that is arrogance. And uh, so chapter 4 ends with that. Does anybody have any comments on that? I, I do want to comment on verse 17. And we had t- talked about this a little bit before the podcast. Um, 
So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I have a little margin note. This is the sin of omission. And we talked about this as if you know the right thing to do, buying somebody who's hungry a sandwich or making them a sandwich and you don't do it and you have absolutely no remorse about not doing it, that's where the sin comes in. Um, if you see somebody who may be hungry, but you don't know exactly their circumstance, maybe they're hungry because they're dieting, they're trying to lose weight, or you know, but to prejudge them as far as, okay, they're hungry, so I got to do this. Well, that may not be what James is talking about. You know, but having zero remorse about, well, I should have done this, but oh, well, no big deal. Instead of, well, I should have done this. Next time I see that, I'm going to find out more about it and, and reach out and help them. I just, uh, I think about, we kind of mentioned this too before the podcast. I, I think this directly ties back to the heart issue that's discussed, uh, that we talked about in the last pod- podcast in the last section of James with the the arrogance versus the humility. Uh, if we know the right thing to do, but we just have no concern and, you know, ah, whatever that, that is a symptom of, we have a hard heart and we think we have authority over God. Um, and so that's in my, in, in those issues you laid out, Tom, those, those examples you laid out, uh, is the, it shows that we are, we think we're the boss. Um, and that's just, not the case. Okay, I'd like to comment on chapter 5, verses 1 to 6, addresses the rich. And we see a, a wealthy attitude here. You know, these, these are people who are trusting in their wealth, and uh, they think it's, it's such a good thing for themselves to hoard up their riches. And James is saying that's going to turn around and bite them. It's going to turn against them. And uh, it's not just that they're becoming rich, but it's the way they've gotten rich. Uh, they're withholding wages from people, and, and they're storing up their wealth, and uh, they're living luxuriously, and uh, they're spending it on themselves. They live a life of wanton pleasure. They just do whatever they want to do, and, uh, and they got the money to do it, so, so they do it. And James is speaking against that kind of lifestyle. Um, I would have to say that having wealth is not wrong. It's not evil. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we see that the rich are not told to get rid of their wealth. Uh, they're not told it's evil, but they're told to be generous and ready to share. And James is talking to those who have fallen in love with their wealth, and enough that they're willing to cheat others and do wrong to others just to bring in more and more wealth. And, and that's the thing here that James is dealing with. And, and that's something we need to be careful of in this country because we are in a wealthy land. Uh, the poorest people in America today would be the wealthiest in some countries in the world. And so we need to be really careful about our attitude uh, toward our wealth. Yeah, as by no means in this country am I a wealthy person. However, if I was to go to practically 90% of the rest of the world, I would be excessively wealthy, you know. Um, 
even if I was below the poverty line in this country, I would be in the top 10% most every place else in the world. And it, it's interesting that um, James uses, you know, your garments have been moth-eaten and your riches are, have rotted and your gold and silver have corroded. It's not wrong to be wealthy. It's wrong to hoard it and put your trust in that wealth. If you're, and by no means is it wrong to save money or is it wrong to spend money? It, um, I think back to Acts where Ananias and Sapphira, they had a piece of land, they sold it, they kept part of that money back and they brought it, the rest of the money in. And Peter, when he confronted them, is like, you know, that property was yours to have, to begin with. You could have sold it or not sold it. Nobody could have said you were sinning. You could have kept part of it back and no one could have told you you were sinning. But the fact that you tried to convince us that you gave the whole price, that is where your sin fell into. It wasn't having the property. It wasn't having the money. It wasn't keeping back part of the money. It, it's not a sin to be rich, but it's a sin to hoard it. And, oh, I got to get more. I got to get more. I got to get more. And, you know, it kind of goes back to our last podcast where um, James is telling us, you know, mourn, turn your joy into mourning. Um, and it, I think this it directly relates to this being wealthy. You know, be careful of how you view stuff. It's not a sin either way to be wealthy or unwealthy unless your focus is only on being wealthy or unwealthy. It's not a sin to be joyful or mourning unless that's the only thing you're going for. Just on that on that note, he says in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 5, you've fattened up your hearts in a day of slaughter. So he's saying if you think you're, you know, if you think you're, gaining this wealth and collecting this wealth is making you, you know, fat and healthy and and uh you're you're getting all uh I guess in our terminology fat is a negative thing, but I think in their terminology being fat would would have been a sign of wealth. Uh he's saying if you're if you're trying to get fat and, you know, show off your wealth, all you're doing is getting fat for slaughter. Um you're you're just getting ready to to die. Um because God is going to take vengeance on those who are prideful with their with their money. Um, I also think it's interesting, you know, as I think about this application for me, I am not a saver, but I'm a spender. And and yeah, Tom's raising his hand. Bill's Bill's <laughs> putting thumbs down. Yeah, he's a he's a spender or a saver. Uh, but I think I can, even though I don't save my money, like me and Tom, we're spenders. I think we can be guilty of this because I don't want the cat. I don't want the dollar, you know, amount in my bank, but I want the stuff that I can buy with that. And we can store. It's not we're storing up the money. We're storing up the stuff that we get with the money. Um, so it it's the deeper problem is: do we love the things of the world, or do we rely up our treasures in heaven? Yeah, that, that about the same thing. If you're saving up a lot of money. Uh, or someone else is spending all of the money, that could be pretty much the same thing. Oh, you yeah. know, it depends on the attitude. What's the person saving it up for? Or what's the other person doing uh, with, when he's spending it? 
And the bottom line here is we need to be serving God, like in the last podcast. We need to serve God and others rather than ourselves. And whether we're spending or saving, we need to be servants of others and servants of God first and rather than serving ourselves. And if we have a good handle on that, then we'll be doing the right thing with our money. You, you know, one thing uh, I had... I know the rules of money, the basic rules. I don't follow them, but I know them. Um, and I, I looked into investing and in, in stock market and things like that. I don't do it um, because of part of the rules of money. I have not reached that that point where I should be able or should be doing it or could be doing it. But one of the rules of the stock market is you always leave something on the table. Um, and that is, uh, Nate, you made mention of the, your fatting your hearts for the slaughter. Well, part of that rule for always leaving stuff on the table in the stock market is hogs get slaughtered. And that's true. It, that's what they're for. They're, they're just to be slaughtered. And it, if all you're focused on is yourself and I haven't, you know, how many times do we see very wealthy people who are really, really rich, and then all of a sudden they're broke, and we're like, serves you right. You know, that's not the right attitude for me to have either. It is the attitude that we as people tend to have, though. And so do we have one? Let's I, see. I was going to say, if I can jump yep. in, okay. Uh, you mentioned uh, other countries and how someone here would be wealthy. I experienced that when I was a missionary in the Philippines. I had a rather basic budget, and I was single, and I didn't need much, and so I didn't have a lot of money. There were other Americans there who had a whole lot more money than I did. But still, even with my basic budget by American standards, I was a rich man over there compared to those people. They looked at me as, as one who was rich, and... And from their perspective, that was exactly right. And so uh, for a while in my life, I was a rich man. <laughs> I, I traveled overseas a couple times, and the one thing I noticed over there, one, everybody wants a free English lesson. For, you know, they want to practice their English, but they also wanted me to pay for everything because I was the rich guy. And it's like, uh, you don't understand. I'm poor over there. <laughs> But it, but where I went, I mean, I, I could have a pretty good breakfast for what would be the equivalent of like 50 cents to a dollar here. And we're not talking just like a little egg McMuffin. We're talking a pretty substantial breakfast for not much more than a buck. And, and this was not a rundown. This I would consider this the country that I went to a second world country, not a third world but not, not a for, first world. They were trying to be a first world, and depending on where you went, there was aspects of, of all three, but this would, overall I would say it would be a second world country. Okay, um, verses 7 to 10 talks about patience. Be patient, and I think that contrasts the idea of uh, the people who are in a hurry to get rich uh, they're, they're possibly making rash decisions to try to gain wealth and uh, maybe 
uh, a parallel to that would be nowadays people will spend a lot of money on the lottery hoping to get rich and, and it almost never works. And so verses 7 to 10 talks about being patience, uh, having patience as opposed to the, the self-serving get-rich attitude that we've read about before in the book of James. Patience is a good thing. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, so if, if we're patient, we're letting God do his work. He works in our lives according to his schedule, and that will always work better than us taking our own will and, uh, and, and trying to perform our own will and create our own schedule because we never know what we really need to do. We, we never know when it needs to happen, but God does. He sees the big picture. So we're much better off not trusting in wealth, but trusting in God and patiently letting God work things out in our lives. All right, this might be a, maybe a lengthier monologue I'm about to have, so I apologize. I always like to tie together, you know, kind of zoom out a little bit and tie the context together. And as, I, as y'all have been talking, I've kind of been working through some things and doing that. And what I'm noticing is this section that we're in, chapter 413 through 510, is... First of all, each paragraph starts with a different command to a different group of people. So in 5.13, it says, Come now, you who say, yeah, we're going to do this business. And then 5.1, it says, Come now, you... Oh, sorry, 4.13. And then 5.1, it says, Come now, you rich. And then 5.7, it says, Be patient, brothers. And then we haven't got there yet, but in 12, it says, Above all, brothers, do this. And I think the theme in every single one of these passages where James is commanding a different group of people to do something, the theme through all of this is that God is in control. Um, when he's talking to those who are going to do the business in this or you know this city or that city, it's it's you have these prideful people down on earth doing everything they want to do and living for themselves, but he says, rather, you should be doing what the Lord wants you to do. And he says, come now, you rich and you who are withholding money from others, but God is, you know, upstairs looking down at us, and and He is the Lord of hosts. He is the one in control. Uh, then He says, "Be patient, um, because the coming of the Lord is at hand." It, it reminds me of Have you guys seen the Truman Show mm-hmm. um, with uh, Jim, Carrey. Jim Carrey? Yeah, Jim Carrey. And I I hadn't watched this movie till I was a little bit older. But if you haven't seen the Truman Show, I'm going to spoil it for you. Spo- spoiler alert! But Jim Carrey is living in this. Made up world, yeah. Made up simulated Literally. world, yeah. And everyone knows it except him. He thinks he's living in a you know a real normal life, but everyone else in the world is looking at him, and he's just they're all actors. Um, and then every once in a while in the movie, it'll pan out to the guy, kind of the 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 leader of this, the director, the director of this whole project, and he's looking at all these movie screens, um, and it it. I don't know, it's almost a cruel example because it's kind of a, a cruel movie. Um, but that's kind of how God is in, in a way. We're down here living for ourselves and going to this city and that city and, and trying to get rich and you know being concerned about all these things. But we have God who's not looking at a movie screen but looking down on us. And he, I think if he could just speak in our ear, he would say, just stop, like I'm in control. And that's what James is saying is, is consider the one who is in control. Um, we are... Or nothing compared to um, what God is and the decisions we make and the, the selfishness that we have 
we have God who is really the one in control. Anyway, that's what I see as I, I, I look at this whole section is it's all trying to get across to us that God is the one in charge and we need to swallow our pride, I, th- I think. Anyway, I'll stop talking. You know, you and me, sorry, Bill, you and me mentioned, uh, brought us back to the beginning of this. And I, while you were talking, I was thinking of the parable of the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, what we call. And that guy who was going between Jerusalem and Jericho, this first section, today or tomorrow, we'll go and make, he'll give him, he had no idea that robbers were going to take it all from him. You know, so it really is that aspect of, well, if God wants me to do this, and we need to be careful with that attitude, too. You know, yes, God is in control, but I feel a lot of religious people, well, if God wills me to do this, well, a lot of times when I hear people say that, they're already going to go and do whatever they're saying. Well, if God wills me to do this, God wills me to win the lottery, he's going to allow me to win the lottery. So I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. Wait a minute. You want to help God <laughs> by buying the ticket. You know, and, and along those lines, I go back again into the Old Testament, uh, Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Sarah wanted to help God along. Then look at the problems. And we still, I mean, we still are reaping the, the rewards of Sarah helping God along. You know, even today in this country, or Today in this world, in this country, we're reaping those rewards. So, I have one more thing if you're done. Yeah, okay. Uh, for now. I, I just want to uh, bring in one more scripture. This should be the last thing I want to say for this podcast. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus has talked about wealth up to this verse, and he concludes it by saying, you cannot serve God in wealth. And I think that relates very well to what James is saying. Uh, we need to make up our minds who we're going to serve. We cannot serve two masters. And if we choose God, then our wealth and everything else will take second place. We won't be so worried about it. We won't be concerned about having to cheat others just so I have enough extra or whatever it might be. Uh, but we'll be serving God and serving others. And God will make that. God will use that uh, in a good way in our lives. But those who want to serve wealth are the ones who will do evil things. As it says in Timothy, the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. It's that love of money. And it's when people love money, and when they're going to put themselves first, they're going to mistreat others, and, and that's where all these evil things come along. So we need to make the choice to serve God and to be patient, as it says in this last part of the scripture for today, and to let God do his work. You know, you know, again, I was going back to this. It's not the money or the things, in my and Nate's case. The things aren't evil. It's our attitude towards those things that is evil. Um, there's a saying, robbing Peter to pay Paul. If you're doing that, the simple fact that you're robbing should warn you that you have the wrong attitude towards money. Um, but in James 5, 1, come now you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Way too many people think that money is going to solve whatever problem they have. I know wealthy people 
And if their attitude is wrong, they're worried about somebody coming in and taking their stuff or their money. And it's like, you know, I probably shouldn't admit this, but there are several times that the keys are in my car in the ignition. Not that I want somebody to steal it, but, and, and I wouldn't blame them if they did simply because, well, you're an idiot. You left your keys in your car and left them in the ignition. I don't, you know, but by the same token, it's like, well, okay, I guess they needed it worse than I did. Um, even if my keys weren't in the car. Now, if I had something very valuable, yeah, I'm locking the car. Or if I'm in some place not familiar, yeah, I'm locking it because it might be a long walk home. So. All right. Anybody have anything else? I'm good. All right. We're going to go ahead and close this out. As always, uh, we want to offer kind of a, an invitation to you uh, if you're listening to this. We've we've talked about how this section we talked about today is, is all about how God's in control. We talked a lot about money um, and how ultimately God is, is in charge of all of this. Uh, maybe you feel lost uh, in the world. Maybe as you listen to this, you see yourself right here in this passage, um, and you are, are looking to fill a void in your life. Uh, we want to help you do that. Um, so reach out to us, and we appreciate you listening, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Let's Open the Bible podcast. If you have any questions, want to talk about the next steps in your faith journey, or are interested in receiving our daily Bible verse which corresponds to the content of this podcast, feel free to reach out to openthebible2022 at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue our study together. Have a great day.